All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with the whale capper Drew Dinsick, coming up a solid Sunday. We talk about the teams that we're stock up on in the NFC, and then we're going to break down tonight's Bills Bengals game, which is going to have huge repercussions uh, for the season and across uh, basically every massive futures market uh, relating to the Super Bowl, the AFC, the one seed could decide MVP as well. Uh, and then we'll take a look at uh, some of the wonky week 18 lines, of which there are always many. Drew, how are you? How'd you enjoy Sunday? I enjoyed it tremendously. Great to be back, Jay. New year. Happy New Year to you. Um, and it was a happy new year for everyone who you know was on our on the right sides with us yesterday in the NFL. Oh my goodness, that was a very solid day. Just a fun weekend in general. Uh, the pieces are falling into place, uh, even in the NCAA national, you know, the the college football national championship. Uh, uh, you know, I, I felt like Georgia was very lucky. Michigan was very unlucky, but uh, we got got a pretty fun national championship game there. And then in the NFL yesterday, um, everything broke my way. Um, I am I'm ready for it, Jay. Packers, Jaguars, Super Bowl. In Arizona, I will see you there. It won't even matter who wins that game. It will be sweat-free <laughs> if we get Packers and Jags there. Uh, but in seriousness, though, the Packers taking care of business the way they did with a complete team effort yesterday was my favorite, um, you know, just viewing experience because it was a sweat-free delight. Um, and then, uh, yeah, seeing uh, seeing in the nightcap, uh, the Steelers, who I backed pretty heavily, claw their way back into that one against the Ravens, who looked like absolute frauds, was, uh, was enjoyable. Um, so it was, it was, I don't know, I didn't have many other major takeaways, but it was just a great day of football. Yeah. Well, two things. Firstly, one, uh, very upset that you mentioned Georgia. Uh, this podcast <laughs> is a Ryan day free zone after uh, what he put me through in the last, in the last drive that Ohio state game needing Ohio state to, uh, to win the national title. But, uh, but that's fun. It's always next year. And then two, you need Packers Jags. I need Eagles Chiefs, which <laughs> okay. not, I would rather be in your position because obviously I've got two of the favorites, which meant that I probably had to put a lot stake a lot more to to, to come out um, in a good spot. Uh, but Packers, I mean, let's start with the Packers. And I think that the place to start there is that the defense, like, I think we've always believed that there was a path for that offense to become elite. Things very promising that that Christian Watson was out there, that that injury didn't linger, even though he didn't do much. He was still, you know, he should have had a holding penalty on a on a deep ball. He looked like Christian Watson. I'm sure that with an extra week, he'll get right. The offense, <laughs> I think, will be treated as as very, very solid going forward. But defensively, I mean, they put Justin Jefferson in a clown suit. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that was possible, but he goes one... One for 15, and look, Offensive Player of the Year, it's a bit of a mess. Um, I think he opened the door a little bit. I'm not sure if anyone else can really walk through that door, but that was that was like a, a hundredth percentile bad game from Justin yeah. Jefferson. Uh, so credit to the Packers. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, how are you feeling? Are you ready for are you ready for this Packers game? I'm. I mean, why why can't us? Uh, like that's every team with their nose even sniffing the, the NFC playoff picture should be thinking, why can't we go to the Super Bowl? 
Literally, if you watch those games yesterday and your takeaway isn't the NFC might be the weakest conference that we've had in the last 20 years, then I don't know what games you were watching. Like, I'm not even sure. Like, I, I, the Eagles with Hurts should be the top-ranked team in the NFC, but they are now seeing attrition all over the place with meaningfully important pieces. Their wide receiver room doesn't look especially healthy and effective right now. The running back room uh, dealing with some issues. The offensive line was not good yesterday. Um, like, weirdly, I th- think you can make a case with a straight face that the Packers might be the top power-rated team in the NFC. Like, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Um, I'm and- fucking tired away now. <laughs> that's that's said, the new year. You know what? Like, people probably woke up this morning and they're looking at, like, some absurd prices that they bet for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl that they kind of caught they, – they, they, they graded losers, you know, weeks ago. Um, and those are back to life. Um, I don't think realistically anyone who is in the mix for an NFC playoff, you know, spot is realistically out of the chances of getting the Super Bowl this year. Even the Giants. Giants are playing best of any of these teams right now currently. Now, they're not talented. They're not good. But that doesn't change the fact that, you know – um, you know, they put on a show yesterday and Daniel Jones is playing with confidence right now. That's obviously a ton of synergy between him and Dable and what they're trying to do. You squint hard enough and it sure as sure as heck looks like Josh Allen out there. Like it is weird. People were, we were making tongue in cheek jokes about that all summer. And that looks like what's going on. It's wild. Now they were playing, you know, an FCS team with the Colts, <laughs> but that said, like it was still a very impressive performance by the giants. I, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be funny to see this play out, but, the idea of now if Aaron Rodgers can beat the Lions, which is no small task, the Lions are playing great. Um, if they can beat the Lions and get the seventh seed, then the path of Brock Hurdy, a beat up Eagles, and then whoever emerges on the other side, Tampa, Dallas. I mean, I, I like Aaron Rodgers' chances to exercise some demons this year. I think the most fun would be one of those two. Uh, in the NFC title game, and you know, so for for just for the sake of narratives and and for covering the sport and having fun with this, obviously a, a Green Bay run is going to be just a, a, an amazing thing to happen in January if it happens. Um, but the um, yeah, the idea of exercising some demons against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game is pretty good. Exercising some demons against Mike McCarthy in the NFC Championship game would be a lot of fun. So I know I'm like ten steps ahead here, but. Um, why can't we think about these sort of things the way that all these teams are playing? I mean, who, who would be your top power-rated team as currently rostered with uh, the injury situations that are going on? Still the Eagles. I still think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I don't – like some places in the market have made the 49ers the favorite for the NFC. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Just The, the Eagles are 13.5-point favorites against the Giants and they get the one seed and then they don't have to play the Green Bay Packers in the first round like the 49ers may have to. And I think with the Eagles, like – the thing to remember is that these injury situations, for the most part, uh, are not terminal. Like, they're going to get these guys back. Hertz is going to almost certainly play this week, and then he'll have another week's rest. Um, and, yeah, you would expect that he should be able to get through a game against the Giants' backups. Uh, I don't expect that, you know, Daniel Jones and co. are going to be out there all game. Lane Johnson looks like he's going to try and give it a go. Gardner Johnson looks like he should be back. I don't know what the Josh Sweat situation is. It seems like, I mean, it looked like he was going to be gone forever for a second there. But he, I mean, he, like, it's good news. Looks like he's okay and he should be able to come back. At least that's what he's saying. So if the Eagles, if they get all their guys back, um, then I still think they are the best team. 
uh, and certainly they have the benefit of having the one seed. I don't feel good about the 49ers after yesterday. And as someone very invested in the 49ers, that was not encouraging. I don't know what's happened to their past defense the past two games, but that was an absolute mess yesterday. They could not do anything against the Raiders, against the pass, or really against the run, particularly in the first half. So I don't know what's going on with that pass defense. Brock Purdy, I mean, yeah, it's a great story. Brock Purdy's not that good. Like, he's <laughs> not that good. He, he throws some balls up there. And again, someone who's invested in the Niners, I did not feel confident in Brock Purdy. I think it's a credit to Kyle Shanahan that they are where they are because the throws that Purdy makes, and look, he does make good throws, but it's just really high variance. Like there is... He throws three potential picks every game, and two of them could be run back for six. Uh, and then he also makes some great throws, but most of it is Shanahan's scheme. So, look, yeah, I'm with you. The NFC is a total mess. I would still just defer to the Eagles because they have the best chance at getting the one seed. But all these teams, even the Bucks, are alive now. Like, the Vikings are not dead. <laughs> either. Like, yeah. uh, and the Giants, to your point, they're getting much more competent um, on defense, I think, with getting guys back. With- before, yeah, before you move off the Niners, let's just say for the sake of arguments that uh, Packers win and it's Niners-Packers in San Francisco in the wild card round. What's that market going to be? Uh, I think the Niners get a ton of respect in the market. And I, I don't know what's happening with defense. If we just assume that that's going to come back, I still think it's going to be Niners three and a half, even if it is Purdy. That row, does that sound right? I mean, I would bet it down to that, but I think it's going to open bigger. Yeah. I think it probably should be three and a half. So I don't have <laughs> faith in Purdy or this or whatever's happened to the past defense. But yeah, what? It probably opens four and a half. Something That's- like that. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, it again depends on how con- it, it, you know, it depends on how the teams look in week 18, which yes. is how stupid things are this time of season. Like recency bias is absolutely outrageous right now. Like people yes. are re- I'm I'm reacting to things we saw yesterday like things 2 weeks ago didn't matter, right? So, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh it's it's crazy and you know, speaking of uh, kind of recency bias, uh Seahawks, they have a chance. Yeah. I mean, if they get in, why not? Uh, I mean, they if they get in, it'll be as the seven seed going up against Brock Purdy, who, I mean, the game was close-ish when they played the Niners a few weeks ago. I do think the Seahawks, I mean, they are a stock-up team in the sense that they kept their season alive. I think that the past game, which has fallen off, but when they have Lockett, when they have Metcalf and Walker, then it is in theory, a pretty solid offense. I think the thing with the Seahawks, and I'm not sure how real this is, but the defense has looked a lot more competent the past three weeks. Like they kept Mahomes and Kansas City in relative check, and they kept that, uh, at least with Seattle's defense, they kept that game um, manageable. Just the offense didn't do anything. And then, yeah, Mike White uh, kind of revealed himself as Mike White yesterday, but that was still an impressive defensive performance. And and they did it without Ryan Neal, who might be the best player on that defense, um, a Pro Bowl-level safety. So if he comes back uh, with the level that Tariq Woolen is playing at, like the defense, I think coming out of the Raiders game and that little stretch where it was getting lit up by the Raiders and the John Walford and then the Panthers, it looked like the Seahawks might have a bottom three defense in the league. And I don't think that it's quite that bad. I think it's more like a bottom 10 defense. And, <laughs> got, and then if Gino, who is very high variance, and that's what you want if you're backing underdogs, like you don't want to... You don't want to be really going to war with, with you know Daniel Jones because I don't think Daniel Jones has that much of a ceiling. I think he's just mm-hmm. solid. Whereas Geno is high variance and had a stretch, 
for five weeks to start the season where he was playing like a top four quarterback in the league. So I think that they are live uh, to, to win a game in the playoffs if they do get in, but they're going to need some help. They're, uh, they're going to need Jared Goff to show up for them. Yeah, All right, big time. Uh, I got to ask one more thing. So I agree with you on the defensive part of it, but a lot of that feels like the pack has come back to them as opposed to their defense is just playing better, right? Um, is there a good – like who is – who is good on defense right now, <laughs> like across the entire NFL? Like, who, like what, like if you had to stake your playoff run on one secondary, one pass defense in the NFL right now, who is it even? I mean, the only thing that I can trust on defense in the league is that the Titans are going to stop the run. That's the only thing <laughs> that I count on. And their secondary okay. is obviously a mess. I mean, I just think it's now it's a cluster of teams like, I mean, two of the teams that we're going to see tonight and talk about. I don't know how the Bengals' defense is this good, but it seems like it is. The Bills are getting healthier. Uh, and I still do think that San Francisco's defense in the playoffs will show up and they will be the number one defense. Um, we'll see with the Eagles when they get their guys back. It's concerning with the Cowboys that this is just going on and on and on and they've reached that level. But I still think the 49ers have the best defense and I think it's probably just... You know, we just didn't show up against Jared Stidham. Um, so I would still say that they are the best. But, yeah, it's not been encouraging the past couple of weeks. I mean, do you still have the Niners one? Yes, but a super soft one. Like, amazingly soft. The last two weeks were not good. They were not good. And you don't want to be you don't want to be rounding into form uh, where all of a sudden, you know, there are lots of ways to attack you. Um, I, I mean, maybe the Patriots? They're, I mean, they're, we'll see what happens with their corners, but yeah, I, I was, I guess, I was impressed that they played as well as they did yesterday, even considering. Um, yeah, I mean, the, looking at the last, like, say, nine, eight weeks as sort of, sort of the recency sample, um, everything is skewed pretty violently by strength of opponent, just because there hasn't been very many good quarterbacks this year. Um, but I would have to rate, uh, you know, the Patriots and the Niners is very soft one and two right now. Um, and it's tough. It's it's tough to make a case for anyone. So it literally this year is going to come down to who gets hot. Yeah, um, one, that was last year too. So why <laughs> this may just be way, the way it goes now. One defense to watch before we move on is the Chargers, who get Joey Bosa back, and that defense has been now excellent for a month. I'm not sure how that how real that is because a lot of their numbers are inflated by Nicholas Foles. Uh, but I do think that, <laughs> that defense is playing a lot better. And look, if they were playing in the <laughs> NFC. They might have the best team with yeah, the way this is going, but they, they don't, yes, and they're not going to yes. win the AFC because they're going to have to play yeah. three brutal games. On I was the just going to say, you know, you know whose defense looks good? The Giants, because <laughs> they just played Nick Foles and uh, yeah. Sam Ellinger. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 absolutely hilarious how uh, where we sit right now in the NFL. All right, before we get into Bills, Bengals, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news. All season long, stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster, get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Bills are now two-point favorites at points bet in Cincinnati against the Bengals. The total is a huge 49.5. Do you have a lean on this game? I do. Uh, I played some bills. Um, this is not. This is by far and away my least confident side that I took this week. 
And some may even say, you're just doing this to have skin in what is the most important game of the week. And I can't really make an argument against that. Like to a degree, uh, this is a very realistic and fair uh, market. Um, My fair is close enough to bills by three that I took bills one. Um, and I think that in general, the momentum as we get into close is going to be in the direction of the bills. So there's still, you know, still a little bit of meat on the bone here. Um, Bengals have had a nice little run. Congratulations. Uh, we thought coming into the home stretch of the season that they were going to face this absolute gauntlet of uh, opposing teams, quarterbacks, blah, 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 and that it was all going to come apart and the Bengals are really going to be tested. All they do is win football games. Um, now it hasn't been pretty. There's been a lot of very, uh, you know, up and down stuff, uh, you know, weird, weird, weird win last week against the Patriots. Um, you know, uh, uh, teams are helping them like the Buccaneers the prior week. And, you know, so I, to a degree, I think there is a little bit of inflation in terms of the impression of this Bengals team. A lot of people putting Joe Burrow in the conversation for MVP when I'm not seeing him really close to the top tier guys. Um, and then in the, on the flip side, the Buffalo Bills have a style of attack that I think you know matches up well against what the Bengals plan A is defensively. Bengals like to trot out a relatively light set. They want to try to generate pressure with three or four guys. That's not going to work against the Buffalo Bills. If you're giving Josh Allen time to either dissect you down the field and or let him kind of break the pocket and get things going with his legs, then the Buffalo Bills are going to sustain drives uh, and they're going to have offensive success in this one. Now, I don't know that this turns into a boat race necessarily. I like the Bills matchups to a degree against the Bengals defense You know, when the Bills defense is on the field. And um, you know, so I think that there are enough boxes that I check in favor of the Bills on a matchup standpoint that I can see them getting this win or at least playing from ahead at which point in time, uh, you know, they never take their foot off the gas. This is a team that uh, I think understands the gravity of a game like this. They have shown in past years that they try to round into form this time of season. And this obviously has like a playoff, um, you know, playoff dress rehearsal feel to it. Uh, and Bill's going for the one seed. This game means a lot to them. Obviously, the the implications that you brought up at the top of the show about how this impacts the futures market are is monumental. Um, Bills lose this game. They give up like 30% championship equity. It's massive. And I would say that in general, uh, you know, you come out with a with a strong plan of attack and uh, Bills just in general go um, you know, relatively, uh, relatively hard from whistle to whistle here. Get the win. Uh, so I laid the points. Yep. I think weirdly, these are kind of the exact same team to me in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. Where I, I don't think there's a good cornerback between the two rosters at the moment, at least an elite one with Tredavious White still a bit rusty off of the injury, but they have elite linebacking cores, safeties, defensive lines. Offensive line is kind of shaky on both sides, and then they both have superstar quarterbacks and elite wide receivers. So it's kind of the same. It's a little mirrored. I would probably skew... Like I just think the game is a coin flip. Um, so I would probably skew Bengals because I kind of... I trust Joe Burrow a little bit more than Josh Allen right now. Like, why is Josh Allen just throwing these weird picks and fumbling once or twice every week? Um, I think that Burrow is a little bit more stable in terms of avoiding turnovers. He's gotten better at avoiding sacks as well. And I think that this offense uh, is humming at the moment. But, yeah, I think this is a coin flip. And to your point about, like, the championship equity... I can't remember a regular season game that has more repercussions on the Super Bowl than this one. And the, the beneficiary 
of a Bills loss is not necessarily going to be the Bengals. It's Kansas City. Yeah. If the Bills win this game, then Kansas City just needs to beat the great Jarrett Stidham, uh, which would be doable, <laughs> um, as immortal as Stidham looked yesterday. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs, I mean, the difference for the Chiefs yeah. versus you know having to play the Bengals in round two and then having to go to Buffalo uh, for the AFC title as opposed to only having to play one of these teams full stop and getting that game at Arrowhead. I mean, that's massive. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what the difference is in terms of Super Bowl odds, but I think it's it could be the difference between the Chiefs being fair price around plus 250 or around yeah. plus 550. Like, yeah. it is yeah. enormous. Yeah, I, I said 30% championship swing. I take 15% away from the Bills and give 15% to the Chiefs based on if based on the result of this game. A 30% net swing between Bills and Chiefs, depending on Bills winning or losing this game, I think is fair. And that's massive. It's incredible. Um, now, people are asking, do the Bills lose this game on purpose so that they can avoid the Jaguars in round two of the playoffs? <laughs> and to those people, I would say probably not, but you never know. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. You know, you, you want, you want a path that gets you the most, highest likelihood and, you know, Bills presumably, uh, you know, if they lose this game, what, how do they treat the, uh, the week 18 game against the Patriots considering that they would get the Patriots again in the playoffs? Like, um, one of my least favorite things about the NFL playoffs in the final game of the season is shaping up in the AFC, which is if the Bengals win this game, you could potentially get Bengals Ravens week 18 Bengals Ravens wild card. You could get bills, Patriots week 18 bills, Patriots wild card, uh, which would be uh, kind of a, uh, kind of deflating but uh hoping that doesn't happen either way though the um the, the mighty buffalo bills i think are still the best team in the nfl and um you know maybe they have the best defense actually yeah i uh i think you might be right it's time to get your swagger back with points bet sportsbook new customers can sign up now with the code bet the edge to get five second chance bets up to five hundred dollars that's five straight days of second chances where points bet will match your losing wager in free bets so use the promo code bet the edge and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before points bet it's your move new customers only must be 21 plus and present in colorado iowa illinois indiana kansas louisiana maryland michigan new jersey new york pennsylvania virginia or west virginia in partnership with louisiana iGaming lp dba boomtown new orleans second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to hundred dollars each cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager points bet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time additional terms and conditions apply see the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the points bet website app for more details void where prohibited if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in illinois maryland new jersey or west virginia call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net in colorado or kansas call 1-800-522-4700 in iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF in indiana Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. 
before we talk about some of the weird Week 18 games. Uh, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands. This weekend, by predicting what will happen during bowl season and in the Premier League, there's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome in our Sunday Night 7 contest. We will know what that game is shortly. All right. It's not going to be any of the four games that we're going to touch on here, though. Uh, so let's start off with some of these wonky Week 18 games. Um, Texans-Colts, Colts minus three. Saints minus four and a half. Uh, home to the Panthers. Falcons minus seven. Home to the Bucks, And then the Cowboys, who do actually have something at stake. Uh, they're six-point favorites at the Commanders. So I guess... Don't have to dive into all these games specifically, but what's generally your approach to these games where there's basically nothing at stake in week? Yeah, dog or pass. <laughs> I think you look you look specifically at the underdog and uh, and what exactly their motivation is going to be coming into this one. And um, you know, I I realistically, you know, the the only one that stands out as how in the world are we here is the Colts laying three. Um, this the Colts are the worst team in the NFL right now. So the fact that they're laying three, literally, there's a built-in assumption that the Texans will lose at any cost, which eh, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of players playing for jobs there. Um, I don't think they laid down against the Jaguars last week. That was just a motivational low spot after they finally got their second win. Um, you know, So the Texans coming out and giving you an honest effort and getting a win against a Colts team that is really, really, really playing poorly, I, I think is entirely on the table. Maybe I'll tickle some Texans first half or something like that like they'll really pull the dogs in the second half of a game like this to make sure they lose but um, yeah that one's the one that stands out to me I, I would also note the Cowboys laying six at the Commanders is interesting I don't exactly know what goes on week in the final week of the season for Cowboys and you know just in general the way that um, Jerry Jones kind of deals with his head coaches but they tend to not use the final week of the season as an as a pseudo buy um they treated very seriously there were games where they were playing for absolutely nothing and they came out and they hung like 50 points in the giants one year and it was you know those there's a lot of examples of that of the cowboys giving you high 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 level of effort final week of the season for no freaking reason so um i would look at some historical trends of coaches and teams in that in that context as well last week cowboys playing for nothing couldn't improve their situation at all they hung 51 points on the Eagles uh, in a game where they were, uh, you know, like a like a, a small dog. So it's it's, a, it's unusual uh, the way some of these teams treat these games. And I would just kind of uh, tread carefully. Yeah, I think the, the key thing to remember is that if teams have nothing to play for and they've been eliminated, that doesn't mean they sit their guys. And usually it goes the other way where they just kind of play everyone who's healthy. And these guys are still playing for you know, their next contract. Coaches are playing to have their their record just look better across the board. Like generally yeah. teams do play guys. It's just when you've got situations like the Bucks where, you know, they, they're locked into their spot or the Giants who are locked into their spot where um, that is where the resting becomes key. And I think it's very, it's key to, uh, to, under, to just be tracking the beat reporting and just figuring out like, all right, is someone going to play a half? Are they just going to play a quarter? 
And that's where the rorts are generally is with like mm-hmm. same game parlays and stuff, betting halves into player props and, and that type of thing. Like usually it's the, the first half betting in week 18 is where the angles arise. Um, I do agree that Colts minus three against the Texans. I mean, the Colts are almost certainly going to have the worst quarterback in that matchup, given that it's probably going to be Sam Ellinger, who might honestly be an upgrade on Nick Foles based on what Foles showed in in his inglorious uh, five or so quarters um, as a starter. But yeah, that one is very wonky. I think just overall the Week 18 lines, the one that stood out to me last night as just being off was the Jets' Uh, getting three points from the Dolphins. That didn't make any sense to me at all when you think that there's a good chance that's going to be Skylar Thompson. That's already down to plus two and a half. And I know that Mike White looked bad uh, against the Seahawks, and I don't think he's very good, but he still was competent in three games prior to the Seahawks game. And and we'll see what they do. But that Jets defense is legitimately good um, going up against the Miami team that... I mean, Miami were missing so many guys yesterday between Tyron Armstead, Bradley Chubb, Xavier and Howard, obviously to attack of Iloa. So we'll see what their injury situation is. But I think plus three was wrong. Plus two and a half, I think he's probably inching back towards right. But if it is Skylar Thompson, then that line will continue to shrink. So that is definitely one uh, to keep an eye on as we will throughout the week. All right. Yes. Yes. We are... We are done. Anything else, Drew, before we sign no, off? No, I like, I like, we should, as we get closer to the actual kickoff, we should come up with the other sort of rorts to look for in week 18 because there are, there's some, there are some very, very real second half angles that are yeah. some of the most profitable betting angles you'll see all season long and they only come uh, once a year. So we'll, uh, we'll cover more of that as we get there. Absolutely. All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. From Jay Crouch and Drew Dinsick, we'll be back tomorrow.